Uh, all right. So it's been strangely, it's been a very quiet week in terms of UAS and, and drone news. I actually struggled this week to find uh, enough to actually cover, but uh, we do have some interesting uh, developments uh, from different sources. This first one uh, comes from SUAS News. Uh, this is the Airbus Zephyr. Um, it's their high altitude um, UAS uh, launched on the 28th uh, for a high altitude flight. Uh, it made it to about 5,200 feet and uh, it encountered some unstable atmospheric conditions that resulted in an uncommanded roll to the right and a track change of about 180 degrees before recovery. Um, the atmospheric conditions became even more unstable as it passed uh, about 8,700 feet and ended up breaking up. Aww. And uh, it's in pieces. So uh, failure points are <laughs> where they're noted on the image there. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it says... Uh, <clears throat> Once the Zephyr entered an area of unstable atmospheric conditions that exceeded the aircraft's ability to remain in the flight envelope, an in-flight breakup occurred. Um, I did see another article somewhere that showed the pieces is laying in the middle of a field. So, um, it's a pretty it's fancy gone. way of saying it broke. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome yeah. to the world of drones. Yeah, <laughs> or if you're going to create moment arms that are that long, you uh -huh. think you might want to make it a little stronger. Yeah. Really flimsy um, looking. It is. Um, so um, Airbus, Airbus is an interesting company in that they are uh, getting into UTM as well. So they're mm -hmm. probably going to be one of the companies that, that we'll see as a, what is it, RRS, I think is the nested abbreviation. Mm -hmm. or RUS. Uh, um, they, they've been uh, they got a uh, a waiver to fly BVLOS uh, in the United States, so they got that about a year ago. So they they're pretty active, and it's interesting how they pop up in uh, different from time to time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Airbus, really? <laughs> don't they don't they make airliners? Right. Let's see. Well, we do have. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, well, isn't Boeing also doing stuff with UAS? And yes. They also make airliners. Yes, they yeah, are. They are. And Boeing, of course, has a huge uh, military uh, component. Yeah. And also, is, uh, yes, they have a, uh, a significant uh, drone uh, group. And uh, they are part of the DAC and uh, very uh, helpful to us as a, as a group. They've uh, reached out to us and uh, given us advice on how to best uh, navigate the FAA, so we're very mm -hmm. grateful for the Boeing folks. Yep. Let's see. This comes from the ever-so-present New York Post. Um, <laughs> it's got to be true if it's in the Post. Right? <laughs> like the internet. <laughs> so, uh, drone flies human kidney 10 miles across the Las Vegas uh, desert. Um, so, this happened on September 17th. It was one of two successful test drone runs carrying a human organ and tissue in Nevada that day. Uh, this was put on by Mission Go, um, uh, part of the Nevada uh, donor network. Uh, it took uh, 
The first drone transported research corneas 1.8 miles in five minutes from the Southern Hills Hospital uh, to the St. Rose Dominican Hospital. Uh, the second flight um, delivered a research kidney 10.3 miles in about 25 minutes from an airport location uh, outside of a small town in the Las Vegas desert. So um, just more, more evidence of, uh, you know, stuff that we've talked about before where, where stuff like this, time-sensitive uh, deliveries, uh, especially in the case of obviously donor um, kidney or donor, uh, you know, uh, organs uh, would be a, a decently effective use of, of drone technology. However, you know, there's always that uncertainty of what happens if, you know, where you don't have that human part of intervention. Yeah, I've been. Uh, they must be pretty far along in terms of testing to go in. This is, you know, effectively production. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you know, it's a, a what if this thing were to crash or to uh, uh, break up in the in the atmosphere. So I I imagine these are pretty. A la Airbus. Yeah, that's what I was thinking <laughs> of. So these are pretty. These must be stable and pretty proven uh, devices and teams. Mm -hmm. because boy can, i mean i cannot imagine you're sitting there as the recipient uh oh yeah we're gonna bring this to you by a drone it's, that's uh <clears throat> a little nerve-wracking but i'm but like i say it must be uh pretty rugged if and proven if uh if they're putting this into production so that is great news mm -hmm. uh this is kind of interesting this uh is from the guardian um the post of europe Right. Uh, so this is uh, Drone Awards 2020, the world seen from above. So these are uh, international awards dedicated to aerial photography. And here's a selection of the shots that will be shown um, in Italy um, from the 24th October to the 29th of November. Um, let me see if I can uh, paste some of these in. These are Some of these are pretty cool. Some of them are definitely uh, flights over people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, this one's in Hong Kong, the second image. Uh, copy. This was a protest in Hong Kong. Um, this was a, a beach in Brazil. Um, Looks like see. there's a, one in Chernobyl. Oh, further down yeah it's a oh yeah. yeah 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 i guess they didn't die though <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can all be tommy right <laughs> that'd be yeah, nice if they got cool. the picture of diving well, it a lot of these are nice a couple of them could have been taken without drones yes yes definitely i don't disagree with you there but some of these are definitely super cool um there's more than what I've pasted in there. If you haven't gotten into the article, it's definitely worth a check out. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, let's see, what else do I have? Uh, we talked about this a uh, couple of meetings ago. It's the SkyGrid app, and they have launched it. I have not checked it out. It's available. Oh, that's because I don't have an iPad, so it probably wouldn't work on my iPhone. But uh, uh, SkyGrid is a Boeing and Spark Cognition company. Um, they have uh, launched a new app for drone operators and enterprises to automate every phase of flight in one unified solution. 
Um, so basically, it gives you an outlet to mission plan, allowing drone operators to autonomously surveil a defined area, detect objects in real time. Uh, it also allows you to apply for um, uh, your waivers, um, not your waivers, but your Lance authorization, um, airspace authorizations. There you go. Um, and it does autonomous flight execution. Pretty interesting little app that uh, they've got going on here. It'd be interesting to be able to check out. Um, let's see, this one's gotten some press. This was about the only thing that popped up uh, over the last couple of days. And uh, they just announced uh, the new Ring flying drone camera for inside your house. And uh, this has gotten some interesting no. comments and it's gotten some pretty poor comments and uh, I think uh, even some others are saying absolutely not but basically the gist of it is is that it docks on its little thing and it will through intervals um, throughout the day it will take flight in your home and fly around your house and give you a camera view on your phone or you know your computer of what's going on in your home. It flies for five minutes um, and takes an hour to recharge. And uh, But some people are saying, you know, the potential for hacking, the potential for, you know, Ring taking your data a la, you know, Alexa and, and you know, listening in on you. And you don't and, already give all that data away. Right. So... Um, Definitely but an interesting. Just, just think if you're a parent of a teenager and you're, you know, you're leaving for a weekend. I mean, this would be great. <laughs> Every you could, you know, kick up that frequency so it would fly, you know, a, a couple times. <laughs> I could set up so many traps for it. <laughs> How many cool people are going to find out that their dog decides that it's a great toy or a cat right? or something? Yeah, or the cat, right? Another or chewy toy. Yeah, for sure. Door. <laughs> so the cool thing so with this, though, way. is it uh, you teach it where to fly. So um, you basically tour it around your house. It follows you. And then from that point on, it... Um, it, it sets its waypoints. There is no manual control over it. So you, you basically do the teaching of, of where you want it to go, where you want it to linger, um, that kind of thing. And, um, and then it will follow that path going forward. It does uh, have kind of um, object avoidance in so much as that if it runs into something, it'll just automatically return to its base and recharge. Uh, pretty cool that it's accurate enough just to land itself in its own little recharging dock. Um, but uh, pretty interesting where uh, the uh, where Ring's going with this and where the Roomba took it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a pretty pretty cool. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely interesting for sure. Uh, it's going to retail for two hundred and fifty dollars in twenty twenty one. So. Think they're gonna think that's a lidar sensor on the top there. You know, I don't know. Let me. I mean, it would have to have. It something. might be. Yeah, it definitely is something. Uh, I don't know if that spins or. Uh, that would be interesting. That would definitely be interesting. 
maybe well, click click sonar just to you know, oh yeah sonar. to be completely annoying click, 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 <laughs> oh jeez yeah for sure right well, well you already had the fan noise it's not gonna do much more yeah yeah uh, yeah um uh, let's see uh there was so one what, other go ahead what if it crashes so if it I would assume if it crashes, it sends an... Oh, it does talk about that. It says if it runs into an object, it will return to its base, and it will send an alert to your phone or device. Um, right, so I would imagine it if it... No, well, I would no. imagine that if it does crash and can't return to its base, it would send a send an alert as well. Call for help. Turtle mode. <laughs> yeah, turtle mode, right? <laughs> so um, definitely, if you're getting one of these get and you have animals, get the warranty. Because I want to, I want to know how long that lasted for you. Um, that would be uh, pretty. I'd have a laugh about that. Might just Sorry get it for the fun tumor. of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> my dog's afraid of my tiny whoops, so I think she's oh, really? afraid of this. Let's see. We've got this comes from Drone Life. Um. We got a, a group of industry stakeholders, including a VUC, uh, the CTA, or the Consumer Technology Association, and the U.S. Chamber Technology Engagement Center have all signed a letter asking the Department of Transportation to hold fast to the December 2020 release of the remote ID. Uh, so it's a, go ahead. Yeah, this, this one is really curious to me because these folks are well-wired with the FAA. Mm -hmm. and, um, the CEO of uh, AUVSI, I mean, he's, uh, you know, very serious and uh, uh, lots of good connections. And you, you wonder, what was the motivation? Why did they do this? We've heard Jay Merkel twice, uh, and just last and week, Steve we've Dickinson, heard, yeah, right, uh, Administrator Dixon. Um, so, what, what are they? What yeah, are they'd they have doing? to have Why? some reason to think the FAA has pressure to not release it in december yeah 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 We've for sure got, they've got the pressure of the election they've got uh, the secretary of transportation pushing for it they've got dod dhs pressing so why did they send this and you know so there's got to be a reason because these guys are as i say well connected so i have the article them? from a different uh from a a similar article from a different publisher and they're saying that um let's see Proceed without a delay uh, and support a final rule that sets performance requirements rather than specifying or per specifying particular solutions for remote ID compliance. Yeah. So yeah. I'm wondering yeah, if was, there's which was better than their uh, original NPRM response uh, to the question of can we ask them? Yeah, I've got a contact at AUVSA. They'll probably say uh, we're not at liberty to dis discuss that. that. Well, it doesn't hurt to at least ask. <laughs> exactly. They'll ask. Of course. Yep. Um, let's see. So uh, we talked about this as well a couple meetings ago. It's uh, I think this is the last article I have. Um, this is uh, the Air Force's Skyborg. So you know Skynet, Skyborg. Uh, uh, so this is their uh, full size uh, fighter type drone. Um, that they're calling it the loyal wingman type of unmanned aircraft. Um, so they have awarded contracts um, 
for the prototyping, experimentation, and autonomy development portion of the project, uh, which is uh, expected to continue through 2026. So we've got uh, Aero, Aero Environment out of Simi Valley. We've got Autodyne. We've got BAE Systems, Blue Force Technologies, Forgata Systems, Lockheed Martin, NextGen Aeronautics, Sierra Technical Services, and Wichita State Universities. Um, and these companies are going to be joining, joining uh, Boeing, Northrop, General Atomics, and Kratos Unmanned Aerial Systems, which we talked about them the last time. They, those were the four companies that had been green-lighted for the contract. So um, this will be... Come out commercially? What's that? When do these come out commercially? Well, these will be for the Air Force, so they won't come out commercially. They'll probably come out DOD, but they're expected. It says um, the prototyping and experimentation is through 2026. Um, and does it say 2030? It, uh, in a paragraph, yeah. I saw 2030 somewhere in there. It says, yeah. Uh, High priority assigned to the Skyboard yeah. program was confirmed in late 2019 when it was earmarked as one of the yeah. first three so-called vanguard programs under the air force science and technology 2030 yeah that's um, where i'm at right now yep so like when can i get my hands on it though <laughs> join well, the air force you'll see join the air yeah, force yeah, and yeah, you probably have one flying uh flying wingman for you so that's how you get a hold of one um but Definitely pretty interesting. I believe there was an article a couple of weeks ago that we covered where uh, they were testing uh, a similar type of uh, loyal wingman style aircraft that had beaten uh, actual pilots in simulated dogfights. So just pretty interesting as well. So, but uh, yeah, that's uh, all I have. Like I said, it was a really slow news week this week. <laughs> I guess I've got one other thing we could mention. It's not, Absolutely. exciting or interest all that interesting but didn't uh, the faa add another 133 sites to the lance system so if you're uh, flying nice. in controlled airspace there's a bunch more airports near you that if they were not in the system before they are now so yeah that was good to see that's, mm -hmm. very, that, that's a big positive so that's got to be up over in the magnitude of 800 then i think seven high sevens to 800 airports Let's see, we're at 537 air traffic facilities and 726 airports. For all okay. those people who are trying to follow the rules, that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. Here's a list of um, all the um, Lance facilities. Ah, excellent. Thank you. It's long. <laughs> it's very I know long. everything near me, or, or pretty much everything in Minnesota, has been covered for a while, so it hasn't been a big deal for me. I just have to remember to check it every time That's yeah for part. sure see here's another benefit of upstate new york I, i'm in uh 100 mile <laughs> uh or 50 50 mile radius of uh uncontrolled airspace nice <laughs> actually yeah. i sent a copy of airspace to oh here we go this is my airspace and the other thing especially this year with all the uh, presidential travel. There's a oh, lot of TFRs yeah. uh, going on. Yeah. yeah I was about to good. fly, then I saw the TFR. <laughs> good good for you for checking. Yeah, definitely. So, 
yeah yeah dan makes a good point with all the uh there'll be a, a lot of uh tfr so if you're mm. in controlled yeah, airspace when, take a look when the uh, vip is in your area it's what 40 50 mile radius of the airport i believe it's yeah, 50 maybe. mile radius of his location or any yeah. yeah it is bro that's lame so. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta think about it though. If you're the Secret Service and you're going from one location mm -hmm. to another, how many different alternate paths do you have lined up within that area? So you can cover a lot of area pretty quickly, and they have to have all that clear. So, yeah, you know, you wouldn't want a tiny whip flying in your backyard too close. No, it definitely wouldn't. <laughs> no, it could crash and mess your hair up. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. the, most of Minnesota is still covered by the TFRs this afternoon, Holy or this crap. evening. Technically, I can't fly over my house. <laughs> yeah, is it in a zero? Uh, no, it's it's in 400. So you oh, could you fly there as long as you apply for Lance, yeah. So That's stupid as hell. And then yeah. the local park that I fly is just outside of it. Yeah. So it's yeah, always good. Um, okay. It's always good if you're not using it to get something like air maps or uh, my personal favorite is Kitty Hawk, um, and uh, utilize that. Um, it's always you're, good. To... You're finding the turnarounds pretty quick, Josh. Uh, I had the one time I had to apply. Yeah, it went fairly quick. It was just a, a minute, minute or so. Yeah. yeah. Every time I've yeah. used it, it's usually seconds. Um, I do keep this on my hotbar, um, which allows me to check before I go out. I just posted a, you know, copy of, you know, the whole Phoenix metro area um, up there. But this link below will take you directly to the maps, and you can use that. Uh, it's got a search function and everything. If you're not using it, definitely a good thing to have in your uh, in your favorites there. Is there any talk about adding like uh, DoD airfields? I, uh, I believe they are already on there. I think I think it's just blacked out basically. I think it's all zero for military or well, most military. Like if you go to San Diego. So I Because I mean I live in Class D airspace over uh, Air National Guard. Um and you know I've got you know, I've got the waivers to fly, but uh, right. it'd just be nice to have Lance too. It depends. I know if I say look up at oh, Grand Forks gotcha. Air Force Base, there's a whole bunch of zeros all in that area where that Air Force. I base think is. he's. I think he's actually questioning if Lance is available at DoD uh, facilities. That uh, well, the Class like... D airspace over a DoD facility. So right. I live near uh, Selfridge Air National Guard Base, which is outside of Detroit, and the Class D space, you know, covers a pretty large area of the uh, the metro area around me. So I've got waivers, but every time I call the uh, tower, as I'm required to do, right. they, uh, they like bitching up a storm at me for uh, wasting their time. <laughs> and <laughs> you talk to the FAA and they say, you have to call them. You just All you have to do is call them. That's all you have to do. If they hang up the phone on you, you've already met your requirement. Yeah, I've already, I've, I, I just pulled it up. And so if you use Kitty Hawk, you can't apply for authorization through uh, in that area? Nope. It shows grids of 100, it 200, does. It, it well, does, it but it's not, facility. it's not in Lance yet. Right. Okay. So there's I'm a flying club flying... within that airspace. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Fraser Flying Club. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> do do I actually? There's a couple. The, do I go by the the cir the the actual circular area? Yes, the shaded the circle, not the squares. Okay. Yeah. So the the only reason they do the squares is so that they can denote that there's a, a 400 foot radius in there. Yeah. Um, you do go by the circle though. So if you are on the outside of the circle, you will not need to apply. And in fact, Kitty Hawk will not require you to apply if you are outside of that circle. Correct, Dan? Because you've run yep. into that before, yep. right? Yeah, I, I live right on the edge and I'm in the fly in those, <laughs> the far corners of boxes that are shaded on the other half all the time. And it does not require you to. And I recently heard Kevin Morris clarify that same thing on an FAA presentation that, yeah, it's, it's the shaded areas. It's the circle that matters, not the square. Yeah. And the okay. uh, squares on here are in uh, mile quadrants. And I do know that as part of the um, FAA facility maps, Dave, you guys did recommend shrinking those down mm -hmm. even more so, right, to be more accurate? Correct, to uh, split them so that uh, one mile square, they're approximately one mile, they're uh, degrees, yeah. uh, would get split to four quadrants. So uh, you know, one goes to four blocks. And uh, we will hopefully hear back a response in, on October 22, around. you know, yeah. what, what yeah, the reaction right. from the FAA was. So what is Kitty Hawk for? So Kitty Hawk um, has multiple uses, but one of the best uses for people who do FPV would be to apply for Lance authorization so that if you are flying and you're in one of these grids, uh, if you're flying in one of these gridded areas where there's a 400 foot, 300 foot, 200 foot, whatnot ceiling, that you could apply for authorization to fly there. If you do not apply for authorization, technically you are... Um, in violation of that airspace um, because they want to know you're there. Um, so Kitty Hawk allows you to put forth a, a, um, an application essentially for authorization. Uh, once you type in your information that it's requesting, it literally only takes 60 seconds for them to come back and uh, give you a decision, basically a fly or no fly. Um, I've, I've, the one and only time that's how much it took. Dan, you probably have more experience with it than I do. Um, yeah, sometimes it takes a minute. I don't know if it's just texting being slow or what, but I think mm -hmm. another small change I noticed was um, they will reject your request if it overlaps into evening time. You yes. can't fly in controlled airspace at night anymore recreationally. Well, I think it just won't point. let you do Lance at night. I think if you apply yeah. through the drone zone, you, you can. Okay. But I haven't tried that. I uh, so, was flying at dusk once, and it refused me. And so instead of being the default 30 minutes, I just said, oh, I'm only flying for 10 more, 10 more minutes. And I said, oh, okay, that's fine. I mean, I only have one battery left. So. I wonder if it's assuming you're doing a 107 flight, and it's just you know going to the lowest common denominator. No, uh, you specify... No. You tell it you're well, recreational, I'm but that, I believe they've said that recreational can't fly in controlled airspace after dark, or you won't get Lance approval anymore. Ah, okay. I want to find that. I don't know if that's something I heard Kevin interest. Morris tell us in that presentation I attended or not, but I definitely heard that somewhere. Huh. Mm. We'll have to find some of that information there. We can always ask. Yep, we can always ask. There's nothing wrong with that. 
All right. So, uh, Dave, you got anything for us? Uh, no, it's um, been uh, pretty quiet as well. We're wrapping up on uh, you know getting ready for uh, October twenty two, and uh, I'll be presenting as I mentioned last week or week before last. Yeah, just a yep. reminder to everybody that Dave will be at the DAC, the Drone Advisory Committee meeting, right? Virtually yep. presenting, yeah, and we can all watch hopefully. Yep, it'll be live streamed, and uh, it'll be—I'll be one of four or five presenters. I've got a ten-minute slot on uh, safety culture, and so this is the presentation of um, what? How can we uh, utilize the ingrained culture of safety from manned aviation in drones? And so we've done—I think—a good job both in small uh, and com small commercial. So part 107 for small companies as well as recreational to emphasize that. One size does not fit all, and the regulation regulations should be proportionate to the risk. Meaning, don't don't cool. give uh, recreational folks a lot of uh, uh, paperwork uh, and uh, uh, reporting and uh, structure. Uh, yeah, don't make us re write down every single piece of maintenance we do on our tiny whips every time we go fly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh... Yeah, I mean, yeah, as, we, as we look back to the. Uh, the NPRMs that uh, for BVLOS and the flight over people, that's where they uh, they drop those in. And uh, then they were reiterated in the uh, remote ID NPRM. So that's exactly what we were trying to uh, respond to. And that meeting is still a few weeks away, but as it gets closer, we'll definitely be trying to publicize it quite a bit more. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. All right. Dan, you got anything for us? Uh, nope. That was all I had. Okay. Curious anybody if anybody else, else has anything. questions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Questions, comments, ideas. Um do any of you know of any good spots in Houston? <laughs> in Houston? No, I don't. Uh no, I'm in I'm in uh lovely Phoenix, Arizona. So uh in Texas, I've not been there in a long time. There's got to be some people down there. I know you said you were having trouble finding somebody, but there's got to be a group. Yeah. There's got to well, be. Let's see um, if we can help. So the, the, the Facebook racing group uh -huh. uh, declined me because I don't fly racing drones. Okay. <laughs> that That's kind of silly. Yeah, Just tell them you do. Right? <laughs> you fly racing yeah, yeah. drones up and down <laughs> trees and... Well, if there's yeah. much to yeah. that, up and down fields and open spaces and bandos. <laughs> yeah, honestly, what I would do is just start reaching out to, you could reach out to folks on Facebook. You know, one of the easiest things to do is say, hey, anybody fly in the Houston area? And drop yeah. it in the Rotoriot channel or TBS or anything like that. You'll and get people. you'll get a ton of people that say, yeah, I do. You know, go here or come fly with us or whatever the case may be, just advertise that you're looking for some people to fly with and um, they'll find you. I promise you. Right. So just put yourself out there for a minute and I, I bet you you'll find uh, some like-minded folks that want to freestyle or, or whatever you're doing. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, flying with people is always the best route for sure. Yeah. And did you say you searched Instagram as well? I don't know if Instagram has a decent search for that sort of thing, but Yes, I did. There's a lot of people that post stuff there. I guess I'm just really lucky, even though I live in a city of like 11,000. There's three of us that fly here and a couple more in the neighboring cities. 
Right, yeah, no. Um, I don't know why, but either nobody's, like, soliciting that they fly here, or everything's super old. <laughs> they're, they're all being very secretive. They don't want anyone to know about their cool spots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though the, those of us here really don't get together and fly, we'll post videos and be like, oh, that's a cool spot, I gotta go try that. And then you'll see the other guy have a video from that spot a week later, and a lot of back and forth like that. Are there, there must be a couple of AMA clubs in the Houston area. And this to me, it would be a long shot, but because um, being an, an AMA <laughs> club club member and officer, uh, our club is very accepting and very inclusive. And so we, you know, if, uh, you know, if people come in and they want to fly drones, we're like, yes, yes, join the club. Or, you know, we want to, you know, get you know, young people you know, excited about uh, the hobby. Uh, this, that's of course not uh, a universal sentiment. Um, however, right. you know, you could take a look at uh, the couple of the clubs and uh, just see what the rules are. And it, it, the first giveaway would be if they're strictly fixed wing and they <clears throat> they don't allow uh, RC helicopters, then don't even bother. But if it's a uh, an avid RC helicopter club, high probability that those guys are also into drones. Yeah, you might want to check with uh, John Eska. Um, he's, I mean, I've interacted with him multiple times. Uh, I'm just looking at the battleground FPV drone racing group on Facebook. Is that the one that you were talking about? No. Okay. So this one's a battleground FPV. It's a South Houston drone racing group. It's got 406 members. Um, and John Eska is one of the admins there. He's definitely um, active on Facebook. He is. And so reach out to him, see if maybe he can hook you up with some people, some like-minded folk. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Anybody else got anything we can help them with? Uh, well, I know this is even further out than the DAC meeting, but uh, so for Drone Safety and Awareness Week, that they, that's, they're aiming, that's November, I think they said right? it for, yeah, 16 to 20 November. So that's when they're doing that. Okay. So it's cold around here. Well, we yeah. did some, we did we did a safety video last time for that. Um yeah. I think uh now that uh you brought it to my attention. Rotary yeah. yeah. did a lot of good stuff for that. They did. Yeah, I think they're oh. they're trying to do virtual stuff and things people can do at home, but that's oh. when those dates are if you guys want those. Absolutely. Is there a, I assume there's a link over to an FAA site. Do you have that? No, because I got the dates during the symposium. It, I don't think it's been officially released yet. Let's see. <laughs> okay. So Is it not I the same not time of year as it was last year? It's the same oh, time of year. It's just a week later. Okay. Here we go. Why? I think I got it. Like, I mean, why would they change the dates when people are... November just, uh, 16th through the 22nd, 2020. Oh, 22nd. Okay. Well, I got 20, 20th, but oh, well, I'll fix that. It definitely, yeah, if people worry. have ideas that uh, how we can take advantage of this or help out there, that would be great. Absolutely. All right. Well, just we'll make definitely sure have to... you don't hurt anybody during that week. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Don't crash! Don't crash! Be safe! No, no, no don't injuries. Get in the news. That's right. Low profile that week. 
Or I, I, drones or high profile on drones for good. Yes, oh, it's definitely drones for good. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, yeah, don't do anything silly and get high profile. Uh, Kevin Morris also was talking about that drone a few weeks back that was flying over the Minnesota Twins game. And he said that they know who the guy is and he's going to wish that uh, he didn't do it. That's <laughs> about all he said. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh my goodness. So even so without looked... remote ID, they were able to find him. Wait, so that's we don't a... need remote ID. Exactly. That's, you know, that's where I was going to go. <laughs> okay, so I have one last question. Do sure. all of you have long-range modules on your controllers? Uh, I do. Um, I have a Crossfire. I know Dan's got uh, the Tango 2, right? I recently switched to the Tango 2 with Crossfire, yep. Cool. And we all yeah. only only fly within line of sight. <laughs> right, yeah, of course. <laughs> of our visual observer. That's right. Under 400 feet altitude, AGL. Yes. Oh. So here's what I'll tell you, though, is I would say um, Crossfire is not absolutely necessary. Um, I flew for probably the first three years with just my Tyrannus. Um, so not absolutely necessary, but definitely nice to have. And the link is definitely stronger and more robust. Um, right. So I can recommend it from that perspective, but not absolutely necessary. Yeah, I started off my first almost three years with Eternity Evolution FlySky Radio. Mm -hmm. That didn't yeah. have great range, but it was okay. It was fine. I wanted more range because I spend about 90% of my flight sitting in my car because it either it's too cold, too uh, hot, or too many same. mosquitoes to fly <laughs> unprotected outside. <laughs> and sitting in your car with your radio down in your lap, it's got to go through the engine and the sides of the car, and that really kills right. the signal range. So having something like Crossfire gives much better range through the, an environment like that. And I come from R uh, RC airplanes, and so I use Spectrum for years, and uh, it's not highly uh, uh, sought after in, in the <laughs> drone world. But uh, team failsafe. It's a, yeah, I know team failsafe, but it's uh, <laughs> it's effective if uh, you're just flying freestyle and uh, you're mm -hmm. close at hand. I, I also uh, use the DJI system with their their transmitter, and that's you know the. The video is amazing, and the range is also mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah, the range yeah. of the DJI radio is pretty darn good. Yeah, it is. Not not up to crossfire distance, but farther than a normal 2.4 gigahertz radio. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Finally got so to try someone using DJI. Uh, yeah? Did you like it? Uh, HD. Yes, and then DJI is HD. Yeah. What did you say, Alex? You finally got to try someone's? Yeah, I finally got to try someone's DJI out. It was nice. It, it yes. is nice. It wasn't as good as I was expecting, but it was nice. Yeah. I'm afraid to try it. <laughs> you're exactly right. Yeah. If you're so not planning I, I, on buying it, don't try it just in case. That's right. Yeah. yeah that's I got to, I got to try it and then didn't get to buy it. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That so expression I, of uh, you know all, all your analog uh, drones will sit and collect dust. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> okay. I have two more questions. Uh, yes. How early on into the hobby did y'all switch out your antennas? Uh, what type of antennas are you talking about? For for, for your uh, VTX and your uh, 
FPV goggles. And what do you mean by switch out? I'm we're not I'm not following the question. Um, uh, I've been flying for almost a year, and I'm still using the default um, dipole antennas that came. Oh no no no! Oh, okay, swap yeah. those out. Yeah, swap yeah. those out those as quickly as you right can. Away. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I didn't even mess with the rubber duckies. And in fact, they're all sitting in a drawer um, mm-hmm. waiting to be cut down for tiny whoops and stuff like that. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, swap to at least a circular polarized, if not a patch antenna, and a, a circular polarized if you've got a diversity set up on your goggles. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. My answer to that one would be zero as well. There yeah. was instant, yeah. instant swap those out. Another, okay. another, um, uh, plug for uh, taking the ham radio uh, class and the, mm-hmm. getting your technician license. If, uh, uh, both the technician and general have good segments on antenna technology. Yep. Cool. And XJet, Bruce Simpson has a lot of good videos on his YouTube channel yes. about antennas, antenna theory, how it all works. Um, definitely worth checking that out just to really understand how like a patch antenna or a helical antenna you can make yourself works and how to keep your drone within the range of the antenna and no you won't have the crazy surprises um a lot of new new pilots have where they happen to go around a tree or something and wonder why why did my signal drop out <laughs> well it's because you were behind yourself and behind a tree and mm-hmm. trees right. absorb signals and all that cool stuff yeah and the other the other uh guy that's uh interesting to watch if you want to see how they're made and and why they're made that way would be alex grieve um yeah i've seen a couple of his videos yeah so um, those are all good people to watch and, and definitely um, uh, look at getting those swapped out for something uh, a little little nicer for you. You'll, yeah. you'll appreciate the signal quality a lot better and you'll appreciate the uh, ability to uh, go in different directions without losing signal because those those dipoles are very directional. So. Do you have do you have uh, RSSI on, on your OSD? I, speaking completely in abbreviations. Um, <laughs> yes, but on my headset, it always reads low, and then on my controller, it reads at 99, 100% of the time, until I bring my drone, like, right next to my radio. Mm-hmm. Um, my last question was, uh, how many of you just started straight off with flying 5-inch or stuff like that? No, I, did, I, I did. didn't. I did, yeah. But I came from I came from RC Hillies and fixed wing, and so I went right to five inch, and it was no issue. I started with five inch almost four years ago, but I spent a couple of months in the flight simulator first. Okay. Yeah, I did. Uh, I bought a little Hubson, you know, tiny little you know thirty dollar drone off Amazon, and flew that around the house for probably two or three months line of sight before I uh, built my first quad. So. Yeah. The full story for me is a friend kept bugging me for years to do it. I eventually saw a cool YouTube video and was like, oh, that's what he's talking about. I have to try this. <laughs> <laughs> he happened to have a spare old terrible radio that would hook up with a trainer port cable to a laptop. So he mm-hmm. gave that to me and said, here, try it. And that was about the time when DRL simulator came out and it was free. So I popped Sorry. into that and we flew together and I was terrible. But after a couple of after a month or so, I got the hang of it, and then actually bought a five inch and got a real radio, and yeah, started flying. Speaking of which, simulators. Has anybody 
uh, played Liftoff lately with the new Unity change? I installed the update, played it for five minutes just to see that it worked, and then uh, had to get back to real work. <laughs> any any difference in the look of it or the feel of it? I believe there is, but I didn't play with it enough to, to okay. really tell. I mean, I've got it. I can download, just download the update. But I uh, I wish I had bought Liftoff because I bought Velocidrome. That's better. Well, <laughs> it is better, but there's not as much options, right? Like, I, I want to learn to fly 3D, and you can't do that in Velocidrome. Oh, yeah, you can't do that in Liftoff. Yeah. yeah. Another one yeah. just to check out because it's basically free. It's like $2 on Steam, but free on GitHub is the Curry Kitten FPV Simulator. He's recently added the ability to fly a plane as well. So if you're ever just oh, nice. curious what it's like to try to fly a plane, and um, it's not yeah. very polished, but it's a fun little free simulator. You can go push around beach balls and chase each other and chase cars and <laughs> dive cool. buildings. Yeah. And That's it's just super cool. simple and just fun. Yeah, to me, simulators are a great thing because they really help someone who's new, someone who's new to the hobby uh, gain that muscle memory before you go out and uh, risk your uh, your mm -hmm. device, your aircraft. Yeah, yeah I, I use them to learn new tricks and stuff. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I didn't, I didn't buy a uh, a simulator until it was a rainy day and I couldn't fly outside. <laughs> hey, there's, there's, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Nothing, yeah, nothing wrong at all. It's the only reason I bought a simulator. <laughs> I didn't buy. I didn't. I didn't get a simulator until I'd already been flying for probably six or eight months. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah. Anywho, uh, if there's no more questions, then and those and those questions were good. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Exactly Obviously. what we're here for. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for answering. You got it. All right. Well, then I will give you back the rest of your evening. Thank you all for coming this evening. And hopefully next week we can uh, we'll see a little bit of an increase here. So uh, we'll definitely get the word out a little earlier. And uh, part of that's on me and we will get that done. But we will see you guys not next week, but the week yep. after that. Hopefully back in two weeks. Oh, yes, now sir. Bruce is typing something. Why isn't uh -oh. he here in our meeting? <laughs> So you see like that I posted, posted his... one of my videos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his ears started ringing. He could tell someone was talking about him. Right, right. That's right. Yeah, time zone changed. Is, uh, did he? Is he? Uh, that uh, time oh. zone math didn't work. Oh, hi guys. Sorry, I missed the yet? meeting. Had meetings of my own in respect to all the crap the CAA is dishing oh, out down here in New Zealand. Yeah, he's a great YouTuber. Yeah, he is. He was definitely one of my first influencers uh, that, that I, I spent a lot of time watching his videos when I was first starting. I think, so I started 5 inches this year, uh -huh. and then uh, late last year I started flying the Tiny Whoop before <laughs> I just absolutely thrashed it. Um, and then like for 5 or 6 years um, before that I was watching like Joshua Bardwell and stuff like that. And wow. That's what got me into the hobby was like watching all the technical stuff. That's awesome. Excellent. That's a good good approach. Yep. Yeah. Jo Joshua is not only very adept, but he's a, a, a lovely individual, really good person. Yep. Sure is. 
All right, guys. Well, y'all have a great night, and we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, as always, in the meantime, if you've got anything you need, want to chat, want to talk, um, hit, hit us up. Um, we're here. We're available. All right. Night, Thank everyone. You. Have a good evening. Have a good night. Have a good, good night, everyone.